This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdahl, and my guest this week is Shep Hyken. Shep is the man, the myth, the legend in customer service. Uh, he's the chief amazement, amazement officer at Shepherd Productions, a customer service and, and CX expert, Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times bestseller. He's also come up with a brand new book that's coming out called I'll Be Back. Welcome back to the podcast, Shep. Hey, it is great to be back. Thank you for having me. Hence, the last time I was here, do you remember what I said? I'll be back. I'll be back. Name of the new book. I'll be back. How to get customers to come back again and again, or how to get podcast guests to come back. How again to get again. podcast guests. So every <laughs> single podcast guest has to write a book. No. I'll be back. I, a great guest the first time. You said you'll be back. And that's why the whole reason why you wrote the book is so that you could come back. That's what I was hoping for. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Mission accomplished. Uh, by the way, uh, I, I did read the book. I thought it was an awesome book. I love all the quotes from from Arnold himself. Highly recommend everybody else uh, take a peek at at getting uh, his book as well, wherever books are sold. So, the one question I ask every guest, and I asked you at the very beginning, and I remember because I am also a, a hockey fan, and um, I know you're you're a Blues fan, and I'm a, I'm a Red Wings fan, and we won't hold that against each other, but that was the question I asked, is what's one thing people might not know about you? And you said, hey, I play adult, adult hockey, and we have, we have some fun doing it. So I'm gonna switch it up a little bit, play a little curveball. If you could leave, eat at one restaurant in St. Louis one more time, what would it be? Oh, I have so many favorites. No pressure. I love Pino, P-E-N-O. Okay. You may or may not know that restaurant, but I love that restaurant. And what uh, would you that, order? Well, gosh, I love their scampi. I love their trout. They have the most unbelievable pastas. And, uh, and it, he is always changing up the menu. This is a tiny little place, tiny little place. And I'll tell you how much I love them. During COVID, back in January, I mean, the restaurants were struggling. This is what, nine, 10 months ago. And he said, I'm offering a deal. And it turns out it's not really a great deal. It's an offer. I would love if you would take advantage of me. He sold me a gift card for two people. I paid a pretty high amount of money. And I get to eat there as often as I want, me and my guest, for an entire year. So I said, well, you know, my average bill over there is maybe 150 bucks. Okay. Yeah. And I said, so if I come here every week, you know, you're going to lose money. He goes, sometimes you eat the bear. Sometimes the bear eats you. <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out I was talking to him the other day because we were in there. I said, I think you're going to make money on me because I can't see myself eating this much food between now and the end of the year. But I love this restaurant. It's a local restaurant. He's managed to keep every one of his employees employed mm -hmm. through the entire pandemic. He went crazy with carry out food and delivery. And as soon as you can eat outside, it, he didn't care if it was 12 below zero. He was cooking for people to you know sit outside and he warmed them up with heaters. And it was amazing what he's done. And you know, talk about a guy that's just worked hard and very creative with what he does. 
But on top of that, super nice guy. His name's Pepe, the owner, and he owns Pino. And it's P-E-N-O, Italian soul food. There it is. Anybody who makes their way to St. Louis, go to go to Pino and talk yep. to Pepe and bring the book. I'll be back. I'll be back. <laughs> and tell him you'll be back to Pino. So uh, enough about the restaurant. Uh, let's talk about the book. I mean, uh, how to get customers to come back again and again. I got quite a few questions and we'll try to run through them as quick as possible. But, you know, the first question I have for you is how do you build a business that thrives during good times and bad? Because you talked about Pino and kind of what they're doing, but what, how else do you build a business that thrives? Well, I mean, you know, here's the idea. Everybody's focused on getting the customer to come back. And that's what you need to do all the time, every time. What am I, and this is the question to ask, what am I doing right now that's going to make that customer want to come back the next time they need whatever it is that I sell. Now, forget about the restaurant business, because if every time I'm hungry, I'm probably not going back to the same restaurant. But I would consider myself a regular of a restaurant if I went there once a month, every month for years. And I don't think any owner of a restaurant would say he's not a regular or even a loyal customer. I don't have to eat every meal there. But if I sell sunglasses, my I'll be back sunglasses, by the way, I'll be back. If I sell sunglasses, anytime you need sunglasses, I want you to come and see me. How do I do that? I always ask the question in my mind, what am I doing right now to get that customer to come back the next time? And I know part of the book, we talk about loyal customers versus repeat customers. And we can get into this a little bit more as we get into the interview, but you want to know why your customers are coming back to it is if, if it's because they love you for the way you treat them, there's a pretty good chance that they'll remain loyal to you in spite of competitive opportunities that somebody might have a lower price, better location. But what if the only reason they're coming to you is because you are closer than the next competitor? What happens when that competitor moves in even closer to you? Are you going to start going there instead of somewhere else? And that's the idea. You want to make sure you understand the why behind the repetition. But what I would be doing to make uh, sure that we thrive in good times and bad is to make sure that what we do is focused on the customer so much so that they wouldn't think of doing business anywhere else. The way to do that is you offer a good product that does what it's supposed to do and you surround it with the experience that makes customers want to say, I'll be back. I love that. So is there a strategy that you can set up a company up for success no matter what curveball or knuckleball they'll throw your way? So here's the thing. The answer to that is, yes, there is. The question I have to follow up is, or, or the caveat to that, if I guess more than anything, is it really depends what the disaster is that's causing the bad to happen. Is it an economic issue? Is it, you know, we had 9-11, we had the recession in 2008, we had the pandemic in 2019 and 20, and I hope it ends about now. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's these different reasons. And each time you have to do something a little bit different to make it happen. I'd like to think that a great service experience will recession-proof your business, will, you know, keep you away from the disasters that would hurt other businesses. Because what your focus, and, and, and if you think about this, I, one of my books, Amaze Every Customer Every Time, was focused on Ace Hardware as a role model. And and one of the stories I have in there, I either put it in there or wrote it about it in an article, is one of the Ace Hardware stores in a town burnt down. That's a catastrophe. That will ruin your business, okay? Yeah. What did the people in the community do? They rallied around to help this guy rebuild his Ace Hardware because he was 
part of that fabric of the community. So the way to bulletproof yourself from different problems that could happen, competitive issues, is to build yourself into the community, be part of it. You know, I, I wrote about this in another book about how to do local well. You've got to be local. But as it applies to this book, I'll be back. There's different ways to, I'll, I'll, let me jump to chapter 15. Let's give you some real meat right now. Mm-hmm. Chapter 15, it's called Where the Rubber Meets the Road. And this is the closing chapter. And I talk about six steps to creating the I'll be back experience. Number one, ask yourself, and do this with a team of people. And if you're a small company, fine. If you're a large company, bring in people from different parts of the business, especially a couple of people on the front line, people that might be in customer support, maybe a salesperson. Anyway, here's the question. Why would somebody do business with us instead of a competitor? Second, why would somebody do business with a competitor instead of us? By the way, the answer to question one should not be something as simple as, oh, we've got great people because anybody can say that. What really makes you different? Pepe from the restaurant Pino might say, well, we're a very small restaurant, so we really focus on that really special experience. You know, you're going you're gonna to be treated differently. On top of that, all my recipes are from my mom and my grandma over in Italy. They're authentic. They're real. And we, we don't boil pasta that you buy from a store. We make the pasta. You know, you can come up with a half a dozen, maybe 10 reasons why Pinot might be better than a competitor. What are your reasons? And you should know this. What are the competitors' differentiators too? Number three, I call it keeping pace. If a competitor is doing something that you're not doing that you should be doing, you need to start doing it, but don't do it exactly like they do. Do it differently. Make it your own. Think about this. I'll give you a great example. I I call it the amenity wars where a hotel decided to create an amenity. And as soon as they did, every other hotel starts doing it. And you know, it's like this war, who can outdo each other? So the first time some very smart hotel person said, hey, I bet our business guests would enjoy a newspaper. So they started giving away newspapers. And how did they do it? They would tell the guests, tomorrow morning when you come down to get your coffee, grab a complimentary newspaper. And then the hotel across the street said, oh my God, we got to do newspapers too, (laughs) but let's make it different. We're going to tell the guest that tomorrow morning, open up the door, that newspaper is going to be at your doorstep. The next hotel said, oh my gosh, we need to do better than that. Let's give them a choice of newspapers. (laughs) When they check in, ask them what the choice, you see what's happening here. You're constantly trying to make yourself a little bit different on what the other one is doing. That's step three, keeping pace. Step four, Go outside of your industry and ask the team that you're working with, who do you love doing business with and why? And list all the whys. That's really important. You're going to find things that these companies do that you don't do for a couple of reasons. One, you just might not be doing them. But number two, they're in a completely different industry. That's the idea outside of your industry. You know, we may be uh, in the business of, for us, it's, you know, I write books, I do trainings, uh, I, I do speeches all over the world. That's what I do. Uh, How am I going to learn from Nordstrom, from Amazon, from Ritz-Carlton? What are they doing that I don't do? What are actually, what are they doing that I love? And then based on what I love, could I be doing that if I'm not already doing it? So that's four. Number five is to implement those ideas that you've just talked about, if there are any. And I'm sure there are. And I want you to read between the lines. For example, when uh, I I did this in in one of our 
trainers did this in a workshop and I was there and I watched the whole thing go down exactly the way I'm telling you right now. He asked, you know, what do you love about if somebody said Amazon, everybody always says Amazon in, in this group and, and they, it's a great company. What is it that they're doing that we're not doing? Or what do you, or I'm sorry, what is it that you love about them? And uh, the person said, you know what I love? I love that as soon as I, I place my order, I get an email confirmation. I like that. And then they tell me when it ships and they send me the tracking information. Then they send me an email to tell me it's arrived. And uh, somebody in the audience who happened to be the leader of the group said, well, that's that's an e-commerce thing. We, we aren't like that. We sell machines, you know, business to business doesn't apply. And so after listening to some of the banter, my trainer looked over at me and said, what do you think, Shep? I said, I think you need to read between the lines. It's not about the emails. It's about the fact that we're giving him information. And now he has confidence that something's being done. Do we give our customers enough information to feel that they're in control of the situation? Because that's exactly what Amazon's doing. And with that, the, the leader, CEO, whatever he was, oh my God, I get it. <laughs> so read between the lines. All right. So that's step five. Step six is to go back and ask yourself, now that I've done these, why would someone do business with me? And that's a great way to kind of go back full circle. So number one, ask that question. Why me not instead of them? Number two, why them instead of me? Number three, keeping pace if they're doing something, the competitor that you're not. Number four, what do you love about companies outside of your industry that you do business with at any level, any type of business? Number five, implement some of those things that you love, if appropriate. Number six, circle back and say, now I'll ask it again. Why me instead of anyone else? That it sounds simple, doesn't those. it? It's powerful yeah, it's, though. It's powerful. Well, it's so simple. It doesn't make it easy. I, that's what I always say. Simple does not mean easy. Yeah. So going through that process is, man, it, it's, it's so crucial to walk through that. Um, one of the things that you also mentioned was the renewals of trust, how to sustain multiple renewals of trust. And, you know, in a software business, you know, so, or a subscription-based business, uh, loyalty isn't what it used to be. And so how do you take that and, and work on uh, getting that customer to come back year over year or renewal over, over renewal? And when do you start that, that process? Sure. So first of all, I want everybody, regardless of the kind of business they're in, to think of themselves as the subscription business. And you may not be somebody that automatically bills or somebody, some company that automatically bills or invoices a customer on a monthly, quarterly, or annual basis, ongoing, consistent revenue. That doesn't mean you're not in the renewal business. You are constantly, as you said, Nick, renewing the interest in doing business with you, renewing the desire to do business. So just looking at it from a subscription standpoint, anybody that gets somebody to subscribe to them, the renewal process should start at the very, very beginning when you validate they made the right decision to do business with you in the first place. And then throughout the time, uh, you know, especially in the software business where success is determined whether or not people are using the software and using it to their full advantage. So I use a software program and I've been using it for about seven years and I became disenchanted with it recently. And uh, number one, I had virtually no interaction with the company from the, with the exception of my onboarding, what, seven years ago, six, seven mm -hmm. years ago. And when I told them I'm thinking about leaving, oh man, they jumped to attention. They started, you know, saying, hey, let me get you on with a coach. Let's make sure you're using the software the right way. Lots of new features. And I'm thinking, why didn't somebody reach out to me 
at least once a year, maybe every two or three years for that matter. <laughs> and, and that's a shame. I worked for the military once, um, actually a number of times, but in this particular group, I one time worked for the recruiting arm of the military. And uh, I asked when they actually try to get people to re-up, they, you know, you get them to come on, they recruit them, they come in, they're there for what, two, sometimes three years, depending on what kind of agreement they have. And so when does that renewal process start? They, you know, they're thinking, oh, you know, three, four weeks about the time, it, you know, I said, no, no, you're making a mistake. It needs to start. You know, maybe, you know, maybe after going through boot camp might be a good time to start. <laughs> but you get the idea. You want to get people excited about being involved with what you do, whatever it is that you sell. And it needs to be consistent and it needs to be ongoing and it needs to be, you're, you're constantly at some level staying in touch. That doesn't mean you're physically picking up the phone and making a call, going out, making an appointment, but there are ways to even automate certain pieces of the relationship. And in the book, I talk about you can't automate a relationship. You can't automate a relationship 100%, but you can do things along the way that touches out or reaches out to your customers and gives them a touch point that is positive. So for those that aren't in the subscription business, I want you to think about the next time, every time. And I, I mentioned that before. What am I doing right now to get that customer to come back the next time they need what we sell? You do that every single time. It's about the next time, every time. And eventually that turns into a lifetime. Maybe they need what you do sporadically. They buy it today. They might buy it six months from now. Then they might buy it a month later. Every time you're engaged with that customer, it's all about the next time. What am I doing to set up the next time? That's renewal. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. Yeah, I think there's always going to be some, there's always going to be a time where there's going to be an unhappy customer. You had that with the software with, with, over a seven-year period because they didn't communicate with you. They didn't drive it wasn't that relationship. That I was unhappy. They left the door open for a competitor to come in yeah. and give me a better opportunity and a better solution. And as soon as I started uh, the process of leaving, it's all of a sudden they stepped up, you yeah. know, and it, I was disenchanted. I was not disappointed in the sense that, you know, they upset me and angered me and there was a complaint. I just found what I thought was a better solution. They're yeah. trying to fix that. Yep. So people think of that sometimes as a, as a marriage, you, you tell your wife at the, at the altar, Hey, I just want to let you know, here's somebody else that might be, is, is going to be communicating back and forth. And uh, she's like, Hey, I'm going to leave you. And you're like, wait, 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 let me, let me yeah. tell the, let me bring some flowers out. You want some chocolate? I'll bring out vacation. What do you need? How can I help you? So, but back to the unhappy customer, what can you learn from them? Oh, there's so much. And that's so important to realize you need to debrief your unhappy customers and ask, you know, obviously you want to know the questions why, but if, if everybody, you know, if somebody sends you a letter and says, I don't like you, 
and I use that metaphorically, I'm unhappy with your product. This didn't work. Your people stink, you know, they're angry, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. When you get that letter, what is the typical thing that a company does? A company sits down, they bring the employee in that might be responsible and they debrief. And many times it's about in, in a, in a positive environment, it's about learning to make sure this doesn't happen again. Right. And that's the goal. So, but I want to take this a step further. What happens when you get an accolade letter? Typically, you go to the employee and say, hey, good job. But what you don't do is you don't debrief at the same level that you debrief the moment of misery. Okay. And what you want to do is say, why did we get this letter? Why isn't every one of our customers sending us a letter just like this? And now it's like, okay, how do we repeat what worked? And just like you want to eliminate repeating what doesn't work, you want to promote repeating what does work. Anyway, I know it's your question was, well, how do what can we learn from an unhappy customer? And keep in mind that whenever you're asking in a survey on a scale of one to 10, were you happy on a scale of zero to 10, would you recommend us? When you're asking these questions, I think they're great pieces of data, but you're looking over the rear view mirror or you're looking into the rear view mirror over your shoulder, whatever. And that is because it's history. It's what happened yesterday. It's what happened on the last interaction or transaction that you had. What I want to know is, are you going to come back next time? And if you're not giving me a high rating, I want to know why. So, you know, people ask about surveys all the time. So if you're going to use something as simple as on a scale of one to 10 or one to five, how do you rate us? How do you rate a prime? Leave one open-ended question. What would it take to raise? So by the way, great surveys, software will do this. It's not expensive. It's pretty standard these days. Based on the answer you give me, numerical answer, I could ask different questions. You know, if you give me on a scale of one to 10, if you give me a seven or less, oh, I could see you're not upset. Would it be possible for me to call you? That might be the answer. Or you gave me an eight. What would it take to get a nine? If you gave me a nine, what would it take to get a 10? If you gave me a 10, I could ask you, is there one thing you could think of that would make it even better? So there's different questions you can ask so that you can learn why you're getting this data and this feedback in the form of a number. You need more than that. In the book, I'll Be Back, we talk about how this is looking in the rearview mirror and the measurement that you want to be focused on isn't, by the way, you need those measurements. You need to know if you're doing a good job. So history is important to know. It, it teaches you lessons, but you also want to measure behavior. What is that customer doing after they leave you that first time? Are they coming back? So this all was bouncing around in my head when I was talking to a CEO prior to a speech, preparing for the speech writing up my notes. And he talked to me about how what he's trying to do is to get his customers to fall into the cadence of a routine or regular customer. That's how they know that at least they're a repeat customer. Ideally, they're loyal. Don't want to confuse the two. Uh, you want to know why they keep coming back, right? You know, we may have mentioned that. But the goal is I want this customer to become a routine customer. If uh, this gentleman uh, was the CEO of a large franchise organization of hair salons, my audience was a thousand managers and owners of hair salons. Imagine the bald guy being asked <laughs> to come into it. I just think that's funny because I couldn't do my market research. I was, couldn't go visit and say, hey, take a little off the top. Well, there, there's nothing up on the top to take off. <laughs> just shine it a little bit more. 
Yeah. yeah. There you go. Shine a little off the top. Uh, very good. So anyway, what he said was by knowing the behaviors of the customer, we can tell this type of customer comes back once a month. This type of com- customer comes back every other month. And if they go out of that cadence, we can spot it and we can ask the customer, hey, we noticed you didn't come back this month. What's up? Were you out of town? What happened? Did, did you find somebody else? We want to make it right, you know, if we need to. And so it's real important to learn from those repeat customers, you know, who break the traditional cadence, like what's happening? Why are you thinking this way? So anyway, I know I'm talking a lot of different, sharing a lot of different ideas based on that one question, what can you learn? Um, But I think you learn a lot from both your unhappy complaining customers, as well as your loyal customers. No, it's it's always good stuff, Shep. I'm always intrigued on what you're what you're going to say next yeah you're a wealth of knowledge my friend i don't even so. know what i'm going to say next <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it's, it's always going to be good uh, as, as far as i know thank today you. you haven't proven me wrong thank but you one of the another question i want to ask is you know there's times there's a time and place to cut ties with a customer and it, just as customers cut ties with you you're they they're just not a right fit so you know when does it make sense to cut ties from your sure. perspective so, so, and then uh, and then how should chapter, you do that, right? Yep. There's a chapter in the book called You're Terminated. Okay. By the way, the book didn't start out to be an Arnold Schwarzenegger book uh, on the Terminator. It just, I came up with this idea. We want our customers to say, I'll be back. Yeah. And about three paragraphs into the outline, I'm going, well, there's got to be a place in here for the guy that made the, the, the words, I'll be back, just famous. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, but there, it's just a few, you know, phrases here and there. Uh, and as you mentioned, I, I quote Arnold a couple of times in the beginning. Not, not so, only that, but I highly recommend everybody look for probably on his website. There's a promo video. Yeah. The video is in fun. A, in a sweet leather jacket, uh, walking the streets with his sunglasses on. So take a yeah, peek at I that. I even have a drone shot in there. I think <laughs> I, I spent more money on that promo video that I'm going to make on the book. I, <laughs> <laughs> which, which is why everybody should buy the book just for the promo video. Thanks. As a matter of fact, and the book, if you're listening to this, the day the show, this episode is coming out, the book just came out yesterday. So please. Uh, and if you're listening to it a month from now, it came out a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> a, a month ago yesterday. A month ago yesterday. Um, but oh, what was a question? Oh, oh, so You're Terminated is the name of the chapter. It's the title of the chapter. And there's 10 reasons that you would terminate your relationship with, you know, if you're a customer, why would you terminate your relationship? And it's apathy, rudeness, hard to get in contact with the right people. You know, there's lots of reasons that frustrate customers. But I also added three reasons that a company might want to terminate the customer. And so those three reasons are, number one, you're not going to make them happy. The expectations are too high. And it could be that you just don't do what they want you to do. And you got to recognize that. You got to know when it's time to say, let me help you find uh, somebody else. Uh, Number two, they are rude, unacceptably rude. And rude is a nice word of saying they are total jerks toward one of your employees or a number of your employees. They may be using foul language. They may, it may be a racial slur. It may be something that's so inappropriate that you would step in and say, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Customer, not cool. Let me tell you, uh, there's a competitor down the road that you might enjoy doing business with more, okay, metaphorically down the road. And the third reason is, this is a good reason, they just don't pay their bills. 
<laughs> you sell them something, you send them a bill and they never pay. And you know what? Then you do it again and you do it again and you wonder why your business model isn't working. So <laughs> seriously, those are just three reasons. And here's what I want to emphasize, that all three of those reasons, you can turn around and you can take these moments of misery and turn them into something positive. Remember, anytime you terminate a customer, always leave the door open unless it's so bad. And you know, reason number two, how inappropriate somebody might be. They, you know, but even if somebody's using foul language and being rude to somebody, you know what? Send them away, or they may realize as soon as you tell them that you're cutting bait with them, they may say, Oh, I am so sorry. Let me apologize to the person. I've been a jerk. I realize it. Please, please give me another chance. And you know what? That could end up being your best customer down the road. So leave the door open. Yeah, I love that. So, uh, typically, I ask every guest the uh, two questions. What book or person in customer service is influencing the most in the past year? And you, you could leave a note to all customer service professionals, what would it say? But uh, I, I'm not going to repeat the question. So the one question I have for you is if you had By the three way, the seconds, answer to that question is just this book. Yeah, I, I know what the, I know what the answer yeah. is. It's just, I'll be back for both. It's Shep hiking and I'll be back. <laughs> uh, so if you had 30 seconds to deliver an amazing speech on customer service, what would you say? It, wait, there you go. And this is also in the book and it wouldn't even take 30 seconds. It's two words. Be nice because that is foundational. You can have the best food in the world at a restaurant. If you treat a customer like dirt, they're probably not coming back. You've got to throughout everything, be nice. Love it. Chef, what's the best way people to get a hold of you or to buy the book? Go to Amazon or go to I'llBeBackBook.com. And if you want to reach me, just go to Hyken.com, H-Y-K-E-N. Shep, I always appreciate it, man. I'm I, looking forward to the third time you join the podcast at the next book. I can't wait. And as we say, I'll be back. <laughs> hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing it with them by giving them a link of this episode or directly from your app. And last, if you'd like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, go to press1fornick.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.